Hey guys, welcome back to the Catch Up Time podcast. I'm your host, Alyssa McDonald, and if you're new here, welcome, welcome. If you listened before, I'm so glad you found your way back here today. My hope is that you find this conversation uplifting and that it puts a pep in your step as you go about your day. On this show, we'll shine the spotlight on real people just like you and me. You'll get to listen in on real conversations amongst friends as we explore an array of topics and take the discussion in any direction we choose. Along the way, we'll uncover truths and life lessons that we can all relate to and apply in our own lives. Knowing that we're not alone is incredibly powerful, and hearing how others have pivoted and adapted is inspirational. Join me each week as we discover new possibilities to grow, to be better, to be more productive, and to live happier, more fulfilling lives. Check out my Instagram and follow me at ketchup underscore time, like the condiment and the herb. (laughs) And be sure to hit subscribe to the Ketchup Time podcast, where you'll find some brightness and positivity to light up your day. All right, let's get started. All right, all right, pull it together. This is going to be a serious episode. We're taking a look today into a rather taboo subject and peeking behind the curtain to see what it's all about. I'm talking, of course, about cannabis. You know, marijuana, weed, grass, pot, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and for some reason, it's always been a topic that you just don't bring up in everyday conversation with coworkers, family members, or new friends. If you want to know if somebody smokes pot, you don't just outright ask them. You have to dance around the subject until you can kind of gauge whether or not they're into it. But it doesn't have to be like that. For many parts of the country where it is legal, this is just like any other industry, any other job, just normal everyday people working a 9 to 5. According to my friends over at Wikipedia, as of 2021, 17 states have legalized recreational use of cannabis and 36 states have legalized medical use of cannabis. So that brings me to my guest today, my friend Brett Frizzell. Brett and I met through his wife when her and I worked together at the Ritz-Carlton in Denver. Brett is a sales executive for Dabs Labs and Gold Rush, Colorado. He sells his cannabis products to dispensaries who then sell it to consumers like you and me. Brett is knee deep in the industry and as he puts it, it runs in his blood. No, really, his mom and dad met when his mom was buying weed from his dad in the 70s. He is very well versed on the topic and has spoken at major conferences on the subject. In this episode, we hear how cannabis has played a role in his life and how he's become an advocate for full plant, free market. You can find Brett on Instagram at frizz303, that's F-R-I-Z-Z-303, and check out what his company's working on at Dabs Labs Colorado and Gold Rush Colorado. This is a really interesting conversation, and I just find it super fascinating, the history and politics that surround this plant. I hope you learned something today and realize there are two sides to every story. So with that, please enjoy this conversation with my friend, Brett Frizzell. Hello. What up, homie? Good to see your face, dude. It's been a long time. Oh my God. It's so nice to see you. This is going to be fun. I got so many stories for you, homie. I want it to be really informative. And I think it's a topic that a lot of people are like afraid to talk about for some reason. And it's very taboo. It's where you're at in the world. Yeah. It's taboo right now. So like you and I have talked about, but in like New York, uh, just over the last week said where you can smoke tobacco, you can smoke weed now. Is that right? So you're going to be able to smoke on the streets of New York, like pretty soon here. Okay. Well, I want to hear all about these things so, yeah. Well, because you're so well versed in like the politics of it as well. And so you are the most perfect person to have on yep. to talk about this. And the fact is this is going to be a 420 episode. I just couldn't get over like the time. <laughs> oh my gosh. So, okay. <clears throat> well, <clears throat> let me clear my voice. Me, 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 um, me, 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 me. We're going to have fun too. Don't worry, buddy. So, yeah, dude. Yeah. I feel like this is going to be like a fun episode. Yeah. Good, 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 good. <laughs> well, welcome, Brett, to the Catch Up Time podcast. Um, just even catching up with you these last like two minutes. I feel like uh, it's been a minute, but I miss you. And we, we do have fun. We just giggle. You are like such a uh, have such an interesting perspective on the world being what you do like your your employment your occupation if you will mm-hmm. um we're gonna we're gonna dive into it so tell everybody what is it that you 
do? Uh, what is your role? You're in the cannabis industry, but tell me more about that. Like, what do you do? Okay, so official job title, sales executive for Dabs Labs and Gold Rush Concentrates. Okay. Gold Rush is the company? Uh, Dabs Labs is the parent company. Gold Rush is uh -huh. one of the brands underneath. So specifically, uh -huh. I sell Shatter, Wax, uh, Live Resin, and cartridges to the dispensaries here in Colorado. So you're like a wholesale distributor, essentially. Yeah. When you when you look at like the the beverage industry, for example, you're like you're just like a beverage rep. Yeah, if I'm a liquor rep. You're a, right, a liquor rep. Yeah. Brilliant. Exactly. That's one way of the perspective for on a per share from the hospitality side. So, but yeah. yeah. It's been fun. So I uh, like to, if we want to start on like the origin stories of all this, should we go sure, like, yeah. like Marvel style? Like, <laughs> yeah, let's go back. Let's go so back. So <laughs> I've done like major presentations across the United States on cannabis and all sorts of different things and stuff like that. So I've asked, I've been asked the origin story a couple of times. And I guess the best way to start it is my mom met my dad when he was selling pot to her in Boulder back in the 1970s. So I literally have pot dealing in my blood. <laughs> back when it wasn't like- Oh, extremely taboo. Yeah. I'm one of the few people from our generations where my dad taught me on a completely different language and culture. This is a quarter, that's a half, three quarters ounce, and a four finger lid, son. <laughs> that's how you raised me. That's but of course, I was in my teen years later. Yes. When we started. Um, but When you started to join the family business, if you will. <laughs> uh, kind of. I mean, and that's, I guess, the way it was an interesting road on all of it. Um, my parents sold all the way through elementary school, my elementary school. Uh, apparently, my dad stuff, moved stuff up coming up from Mexico, which was back in the 80s and stuff like that. And so this is when the war on drugs was at its height, for sure. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, I it was kind of like known that they were doing it, selling to the parents in line and stuff like that. Um, the city of Arvada, they had their D.A.R.E. program. In sixth grade, they actually chose me as one of the uh, winners. And I had to read my essay in front of the whole school about why drugs are bad. <laughs> and so there's my sisters just, or I mean my, uh, my parents, just, you know, hands in their faces. And, and every parent is just snicking around them as I'm reading off this speech of why drugs are bad. You know, and unfortunately, as the story evolves, I get into my mid-teens and my parents separated. Uh, my dad, uh, you know, he cleaned up, uh, moved on to a different phase in his life. So he wasn't even using cannabis, which actually full circle towards the end of his life, 20 years later, he started using cannabis again probably the last five years. Yeah. Um, because he's the one thing throughout his whole life cycle between drugs, alcohols, and all the other addictions that he's had, one of the things that he's always been able to come back to, and one of the things that it's an ethos of why I still do what I do every single day, is both my parents' lives, I can guarantee, had a better life through cannabis than anything else. Through their life, I saw them get hooked on pharmaceutical drugs because of their medical injuries. Uh, I've watched them get hooked on alcohol. I've watched uh, so many friends and families in the last decade and decade plus, two decades now of my life, that have just been beat up by drugs and alcohols in this alcohol in this country, especially with pharmaceutical drugs. And you've seen it down in Florida even harder than we have in Colorado. And we've had our situations for sure too. You know, I I mean, my dad had fentanyl patches on his arm every single day. Um, he was taking Oxycontins. Um, he was taking a gambit because he had uh, four inches of titanium in his back for the last five years of his life. And the only thing, the only thing that made him feel better and good enough to take his dogs out on a walk on the afternoon is when he got to smoke his bubble hash. Unbelievable. It's really medicine. Yeah, we can get into the, like, there's some science, everything yeah. will break into, yeah, I know all that. We can go on that for hours. And I have like some introduction stories to give to people because I know I don't want to go, but you know, too in depth on knowledge on anything, but there's so much to learn about cannabis out there that we're going to learn over the next century, especially. It's going to be amazing. So, and my mom, you know, uh, she had a shortcut syndrome. There's a short story for it. She had a, colostomy bag for the last five years. So anybody that knows what that is and that life is, that's mm -hmm. horrendous. So um, the only time she was really feeling good enough to absorb nutrients and want to eat throughout the day is when she smoked a joint. And that was the last five years of her life too. And you went, you know, she was on the gambit of all the pain medications and everything like that. And so I've seen it firsthand in my life. So my mama, my mama and papa are selling the weed. Mama and papa get separated. I turned 16 uh, and I start, I start smoking. Uh, I definitely find my mom's stash the first couple times. I remember like 13, we tried uh, a couple friends and I, it was like 
a zigzag paper and we put a old Mexican swag without cleaning it up at all and still have the stems and seeds and it's all loose and everything and we're all smoking on it like this like <laughs> it just it hurts even thinking about that like yeah, all the stems and, yeah. Mm -mm. no and I swear to god I guess I think part of my story as you'll hear through all this is you know I've always been a hustler I've always uh, been an entrepreneur I guess you want to say trying to push forward and be the steam um in my life and so at 16 i swear to god this is true um me and my buddy this is how it all started so i'm going to arvada west high school um it's 1998 um we were smoking for about a year now uh, out of pop cans and apples and um we're having trouble finding it ding 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 <laughs> if i get some and i give it to everybody else i'd probably smoke cheaper <laughs> so, yep. Oh, that's how it works. <laughs> thank you, Jefferson County Public Education. Oh. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> at this point in time, uh, my buddy's working at a car wash on 92nd and Sheridan. Um, we asked two of his uh, Latino co-workers, good guys, I don't remember their names now, it's a while ago. Um, anyways, <laughs> they helped us out. And um, so we go down to uh, North Denver, which is definitely not the Highlands back in the 90s. Uh, we called it Little Mexico back then. And uh, we go down to 30th and Osceola. And uh, I, we spend 300 bucks on a half pound. And it was our first interaction and uh, purchase from them. And uh, we'd never seen that much weed together, the two of us. So that was our first impression. The next impression from it, that's one of the stories I hold on to forever, is just where the war on drugs to go back to that again now from where my dad dealt with it now i'm dealing with it this is what they did the cartels in mexico when mexican swag was still popular is they would take the car um they take the tire off the pad uh pads off and they take the weed and they stick it on the rotor and they put the pad back on the rotor so the weed was between the pad and the rotor. and they put the tire back on and they drive it back up by the time it got to me, the half pound was just a half a pad of rotor broken off and it was still in a perfect arc. And that was like eight ounces. Unbelievable. So, you know, where there's a will, there's a way is the war on drugs. Um, <laughs> yeah, dude, that's, they go to like any length to get it back here, it's, it sounds like. Yeah, and look at the full scale too, you know, uh, where we are today with the massive problems we're having on the border right now um, is, you know, that's the cartels that are running a lot of these Central American countries that have just gotten brutally out of control. And um, one of the things our industry's done, and we've been targets of the cartel as well, too, is we've taken money out of their pocket. We've known that for the last decade now. And Los Sueños and a lot of people, they're pissed off. That's for sure. Mm. So, um, but that's even farther on tangents that we can go on forever. Um, but that's the war on drugs, which should be a common theme, I feel, throughout this store for sure. Um, so I start selling it, you know, I'm selling $60 ounces. So if you do the math, I'm making almost 200 bucks profit. All of a sudden I'm 16, I'm in high school. Girls think I'm a lot cooler. Parties are a lot funner. Things just happen from there. Um, I graduate from high school. Um, and then I start going to college. Uh, I'm in a couple different corporate jobs environments. Uh, I'm still selling cannabis throughout the entire ride. Um, and then in 2013, my friend, uh, Jenna Green, if you ever see this out there, what up, homie? <laughs> uh, which crazy story about me. Um, I married her and her husband in high school um, because in Colorado, you don't have to be an ordained minister. Um, you just have to be a witness. Um, so I've actually married four different people. Um, and yeah, crazy tangent story. He's one of my best buddies. Like we got into a lot of trouble together back in the day. Um, they're separated now. He's a good guy too, but now he's actually uh, ex-Marine and ex-Denver cop. Oh, so, wow. I mean, she's the uh, pot industry person and he's the ex-cop. So. I know, seriously. <laughs> Are they were together? Maybe, is that or he is the current cop. I was going to say, was he a cop history. when they were together or did he go down that? No, he was a Marine though. Like. He graduated high school and then went into the Marine after that. So, so what were you saying? About it is a wildlife, my friend. Yeah. What were you saying? <laughs> that she was, she was, uh, how did First one to bring me in. So, um, she'd been trying to bring me in for like two or three years. Like, Hey, this is really cool. Hey, this is really cool. I'm still ignoring her. I'm just like living my life, trying to get into corporate sales and everything like that. I get laid off because a couple of the bad situations and I ended up behind my first Bud Bar in 2013. And uh, I remember it was 303 day, March 3rd. So 
give it up to Southwest Alternative Care, that was, uh, AKA Kaya, AKA um, a couple different bonfire. They're gonna be a national company now. Um, here today in 2021, they have state uh, shops in I think five different states. Um, they have, you know, between their wholesale lines and everything else, they're probably like a $25 million company. Um, and when I started with them, you know, they were only two shops back then in 2013. Um, this is when medical only is happening. Um, you know, the rec vote had just passed uh, in November of 2012, which uh, I voted my first election in 2000. Uh, I voted yes on Amendment 20. First time I can turn 18 and vote on something, which is our medical vote in Colorado. And then 12 years later, I voted for Amendment 64. And I'm proud of those facts. Uh, I think there still needs to be a lot of adjustments made to Amendment 64 as far as regulations like alcohol um, and how we need to get closer to that realism instead of just basically having these boxes and these tax systems that are kind of manipulating uh, what the market could be and its potential, um, which I'm sure you've felt in Florida and it's something we've talked about as well, mm -hmm. too. So anyways, 2012, I stick my head up, uh, I've got my bachelor's degree and I'm buttending for the first time and I see Rex coming around the corner, which operations started in 2014. And I look at all my buddies and I say, holy shit, we're about ready to make a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> I am in the right place at the right time. <laughs> <laughs> which is true, dude. That's, to, that's some of my grandpa's stuff for sure. My grandpa grew up in Oklahoma came out here to Colorado, he was, met his wife in World War II. Um, <clears throat> he uh, had three kids during the 50s and 60s. He saw an opportunity to make money. He went down to Texas to the oil fields. Um, he would commute back and forth between Colorado. Then he came up here and opened minus shops. Um, and when franchises were just coming out in the 60s, so um, it's that gumption. You know what I'm saying? He saw, he's passed away 20 years now, but we still have a jar of the oil on the mantle place, you know? Mm -hmm. Follow the money. That's uh, one of the things he taught me. He, he had definitely mixed emotions on uh, cannabis, mm -hmm. but I'm, I think by now, I'm pretty sure he'd be like, all right, you're good. On board with you're good. it. Yeah. <laughs> no, he'd be, he'd be really proud of where I'm at and what I've accomplished as far as like where legalization is going down national as your state is going through right now, as New York is passing last week, as Texas is now looking at it. Didn't, well, I have Texas. I have a, a research team and my research team is one of my good girlfriends, which um, she told me that she read that she, she said that New Mexico just passed and that Oklahoma just passed their medical. Is New Mexico medical yeah. or recreational? New Mexico's been med for a minute. They're trying to fight their rec for right now. They've had medical for five years plus now. Oklahoma has been out of control. Their regulations are like we were back in 2012, 2013. And this is a great story to talk about so the origin of how we got to where we did today, yeah. um, which really created the first system that created it, you know, to be honest, taxable and profitable and organized for a government system to accept. But if you want to go back and research some articles about this story, I'm going to tell you it was the stories of 2010 to 2013 as we're getting legalization going. And it was, I consider it like a perfect storm story. Um, first, let's talk about the doctors who were writing the MMJ evaluations at that point in time. There's articles that you can go back and find, Alyssa, that show 80% uh, of the 100,000 people that got medical evaluations during those years came from four doctors. Just burn and turn, like, here you go, here you go, here you go. And, and, and you know, I'm not gonna call these doctors out, but obviously the profit was an important thing. Uh, I remember when people first, and you saw this in Florida, I'm sure too, when people first got their medical cards in 2007 and eight, it was like 300 bucks. You know, by 2012, it's 50 bucks and 150 if you want the plant cap. So, you know, it's, you can call them scandalous for being doctors like that, but what I really say at the end of the day, this is America. And that's been a, a classic story of time of, you know, capitalism at its finest, I guess is what it is yeah. at the end of the day too. Do you blame them? This is America. You know, we've been writing off land and sending, selling to the, selling off things since we got here. Well, and just like you said, follow the money. I mean, it is what it is. It's, it's a very profitable industry. Yeah. And if The for-profit doctors, like milking the cow hard during that point in time. 
The next one is the broke ass MED. Sorry, the MED, you're a lot better today and recreational taxes have gotten better. What is MED? Marijuana Enforcement Division. Okay. So that's our marijuana cops. For the state of Colorado, basically anything that happens comes through them as far as when it comes to marijuana. Regulation so, or actually like having it possession? Enforcement, regulation, watching everything. All of it. Um, MED, Marijuana Enforcement Division. Okay, okay, okay. Well, they had some very poor ran and unexpected things happen to them in by 2010 to 2013. Uh, originally, they were under the Department of Revenue for Colorado, and they had three agents and a budget of about $35,000. And then things started popping off. Um, so, I mean, and then also the people that were in charge of it, their number would grow like you know, by 2010, they were getting a couple hundred grand. And then by 2011, they were getting a half a million. But it is documented for sure, too, during these times, you know, they're buying, you know, $40,000 SUVs. They're buying $800 chairs. There was articles, if you go back and Google it, they blew their budget, like, the first three days of the fiscal year, like, the first four years in a row. So now you have this huge blowing up marketplace, 100,000 people going out and buying. Licenses, no regulation whatsoever because you have three investigators for the whole state. Yeah. So everybody's running around mad, you know. Not until 1284 um, did you have the first law that was created where you had to have a grow supply into the dispensary, which passed in 2012. Until then, you could run with what we call backpack boys or duffel bag boys. And that's all it was. You come in with a 10 pack of marijuana in your backpack, you had that many pounds, they paid you on the bud bar and you left the door. I don't understand. What are you talking about? Like- So when... you would have 10 pounds in a duffel bag. Uh-huh. Who would, would be coming- go in the dispensary. Okay. You would sell it to the dispensary. That's and you would leave. Crazy. Yes. And that's how it was to 2012 until they passed law 1284, which created the first grow that had to sell. You had to have a grow to sell to your dispensary. Is that how it is in Florida? Is that what it is? Yes, I'm pretty sure. And what this is in the business model, when you break it down, is vertical versus horizontal integration. Traditional business models are horizontal, and which is why we're getting to as an industry where I, as a vendor, have a product and horizontally, I sell it to an operator and they horizontally sell it to a consumer. And that's how it was. It was the wild, wild west. And the only way they could get control of things as quick as possible and to get approval was to create a vertical system where I had to have the product and own that spot, not own that had to move to the operator in the middle, and then that moved to the consumer at the bottom. Wow. So, so that's where you're at right now? Is that what No, you're that at? was medical back then. That's where you're at right now, I'm pretty sure. Yes. Okay. That is what it is with the vertical because they yeah. it's it's like I'm pretty sure with the dispensaries, yeah, I think it's exactly what you're saying. Yeah, they, they have, have to procure to, from their own source. Yeah, they can't just buy from anybody, basically. Yeah, and it'll get there. And that's just mother superior and government again. Mm -hmm. This federal governments and especially states like Florida, they're like dad with the car. This is the metaphor I've always used, like no way are you using the car. And every four years we come and ask, dad, can we use the car now, please? <laughs> Look, our cousin Colorado gets to do it all the time. This isn't fair. <laughs> <laughs> so dad finally said we could take the car out, but only on Saturday nights and yeah. you better be home by midnight. Oh my so. God, what a great analogy. <laughs> <laughs> That's hysterical. And so each time we ask, we're getting a little bit more and eventually we'll get to where Colorado is. But right now yeah. it's very, very... And do you blame dad after hearing about what Colorado's dad had to go through in 2011? We were going 80 in the left lane, homie. <laughs> <laughs> I, I honestly, I'm not as, I mean, you goodness, you could talk about this for hours. You're not wrong. Like you're so in depth on this. You're so yeah. knowledgeable, but we're it's- We're only up to 2012 and I actually starting the industry now. But this <laughs> is, this is the origin story of like the industry. Everything all connected together. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, we can pause for a second because I have, of course, a thousand questions already. But yeah. like, don't you when you were doing this as a high school student, did you associate any risk with this? Like, what was the risk? Oh, yeah. Oh, there's always risk. Like, Here's a great story for you. This is one of my favorite mom stories ever. I've always yes. been careful. Obviously, knock on wood. I've been careful what I've done since I've had my professional career and personal life. 
that's why I am where I am doing what I am. Dustin Mahone, the owner of Indocan, the first company I ever sold concentrates for, we had a couple mottos. One of my favorites is, when you're in the car, never break two laws at once. You can break one, not two. That's good advice. <laughs> and then mom used, she caught me with a half pound with the setup I had. So I had the old school scale. I had a half pound uh, and I had the baggies all together in the same yeah. CD case. If you found it, any other mom in any other suburb would have flipped out. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And what is she You know said? what she comes over here and does to me? She's from Memphis, so she goes, don't you ever, ever keep it together. I raised you better than this. <laughs> this show's intent to distribute you more. Oh my God. Threw it on the bed. <laughs> if your father saw you right now. <laughs> That's just it though. Like she, she, she was in it herself, so she like understood and wasn't like chastising you for doing yeah. it, for selling it. It was more the fact that you were breaking two laws at once you had that was what it was i love that that's so smart but i like that in general that's probably good like advice in life don't break two laws yeah. at once so if i can give any some good advice from this catch-up time yeah, there's that's my it. first like it's your first gym today i am a salesman so i gotta charge you for the next <laughs> <laughs> that's your freebie for Thank the day that's cool. okay i'm gonna keep it in my pocket i'm gonna keep it in my pocket <laughs> um okay so the risk of it though i mean like you did you ever get in, in trouble when you were selling it like not no. i mean the thing is is like you were selling it um before working like I don't want to say on the streets because that sounds like oh you're good i worked at the pepsi center from 2003 to 2011 and i sold the half the nuggets in the avalanche that's where i made most of my contacts uh as i moved into the industry so you were so, yeah. selling and then here's and here's what we can like dive more into is like the taboo-ness of it why is it so taboo why do people in your opinion as you see things have changed over the years why are people against it just because it's been propagandized before you and i were even born for 80 years in this country almost 100 years ago now it's been you know by our federal government and our, that trickles down to our state governments that trickles down to our schools and our um churches and that's just the beliefs and the ethos yeah. that this is an evil plant that will never do anything good and everything like that like on that specific vein let me put a, a twist and plot in all of everybody's heads that listening so we made marijuana, cannabis, by the way, illegal, not marijuana. I prefer the word cannabis as best as possible. Um, illegal, um, back in the 1930s. Um, imagine at that point in time, if we would have made cannabis legal and made alcohol illegal, how different this country would be. And also look back if you want your origin stories too, why in the 1930s we made it illegal. Is that around prohibition with like- uh... It was all about DuPonts. It was all about plastics. It was all about eliminating um, something that could hedge into their profits. Is that the pharmaceutical uh, plants when you talk about DuPont? I don't know what DuPont is. Um, DuPont's uh, more of your house cleaners, your uh, rubbers, your plastics. your Chemicals. Uh, yeah, kind of like that. Yeah, for sure. And then they found out that you can reproduce hemp so much faster. Um, you know, like here's, let me get on this soapbox. And that's the old school. Like, so my senior year of high school, um, uh, presentation was the legalization of marijuana medicinally, re recreationally, and industrially. So I've been on this boat for a long time. Yeah, I started with sublimes. Uh, some folks say that smoking herbs a crime and played that in front of my entire class. Me and my buddy got an A plus for the project. <laughs> I was saying in 2000 that if um, California would just flip it and start stop fighting it so hard with all the raids, all the home invasions, all the task force money that they were spending on it and put that to actual taxation money that they could fix their budget in a year. Mm -hmm. Guess what? It took them 16 years before they finally listened to it. So, I mean, I, Normal's been around way before you, uh, 10 years before you and I have been born. So the, you had to go through this culture that was completely hating it first before you could even get to the beginning of the counterculture, which was the hippies. Right. And without the hippies and, you know, Jerry, just have fun, man. Um, I've met a lot of friends in this industry, you know, that are, you know, in their 50s and 60s that come from a different generation uh, and have seen and have fought this plant in so many hard ways. I have my mom's High Times magazines from the 70s over here in my library. Mm. Um, my mom could roll a joint with one hand. So I just always believed that 
Um, one of my mantras today specifically is full plant, free market. So full plant, in whatever form that plant needs to come in from the root bulb to an extraction and in any form that plant that it come in to free market. Whether it's from my backyard or CVS pharmacy or the dispensary across the street, I wanna be able to have access to that plant for any patient or any consumer or any industrial need. That's another thing too. We haven't even hit our full strides with hemp rope, hemp concrete, hemp brick. We're still just stuck on the CBD juice phase right now, folks. And we're just slowly moving out. Yeah. There's a whole revolution. And that's one of the favorite reasons why I'm in extraction specifically still is after my dad passed away in 2015, I sat in a medical conference at the Hyatt in Denver and watched a doctor from Spain explain that he spent the last five years combining tests of um, three different categories, a placebo category, a category that just got CBD and a category that got CBD and THC. He was able to show data, specific data that um, cancer tumors were decreased with the use of cannabis. And we're getting there in this country, we're getting there. My dad passed away of chronic lymphonic leukemia in 2014. I sat in that chair and I cried that day. I also made hope for the future. And in extraction specifically, we are going to get to a day where I can pull specific turbinoids and specific cannabinoids from the plant and be able to catalog and library and then start attacking specific diseases such as cancer, such as MS, such as dementia, which I'm watching my father-in-law uh, pass away from right now. Mm -hmm. So this is hope for me and this plant and what we all look for as human beings in our life is we look for hope and direction. Same reason why you do a podcast and you raise a family and you live your life. We all look for hope and direction. It is definitely one of the things for me that just keeps me going every single day. Full plant, free market. Full plant, every single free day. market. Okay, yeah. well we have, I have- That one's $2.99, $2.99. <laughs> I'll let you Venmo me after the show. Stop it. So you like start saying something and I'm like, I gotta write this stuff down. I have so many questions. <laughs> There's too much, dude. dude. And that's the reason why I fell in love with cannabis in the first place. Unbelievable. Is I've always been an ADD kid. So imagine me before cannabis. Cannabis was the first thing in my life that was able to calm me down. And it helped me finish high school. It helped me finish college. And it helps me be successful in my career every single day. Those are the first reasons why I love cannabis myself. The next reason why I love concentrates specifically is PTSD, which is something that I suffer from. Um, through trauma, through insanity of life and everything like that, myself taking a, a dab of concentrates has been no better relief for me better than alcohol, better than any Seroquel I could ever take, better than any of that stuff. For my mm -hmm. true like Zen, finding my chi and getting past that PTSD in my life, there's nothing better than extractions for myself. When you say extractions, uh, just pause for a second. Are you like, what does yeah. that mean? Like, uh, how are you- So extractions, it's the hard liquor form of weed, of THC. Okay. So what the popular majority of the marketplace knows right now is regular marijuana or cannabis that we know in that form, um, which is what we call flower. That's the actual flower, um, the green, the bud. Yeah, yeah. So in a quick explanation, your average bubble hash is somewhere between 40 and 50% THC. Um, when you go through extraction processes of using uh, mixed hydrocarbons, BHO, propane, into the cannabis plants itself, which we can talk about that process here next if you want to, but those extractions are anywhere between 80 to 95% THC. So much higher, and THC for everyone listening who doesn't understand, THC is the actual compound in the marijuana, in the cannabis plant that gets yep. you high. Right. Yes, it's because uh, it gives you the psychoactive effects. Okay. I think it's the way you're And I think that's, that's, that's just it. I think let's break down the like actual, like not biology of it, not too in depth, but like more so cannabis is it has many different flavonoids, flav is it flavonoids yeah. and, and cannabinoids. Those are terpenoids. So let's talk about, we'll talk about the two differences yeah. first. Let's talk about cannabinoids okay. first. Um, anybody that wants more depth for sure, write this down. Um, his name is Dr. Ralph Mashulam. Got it. Ralph Mashulam. 
He's in his uh, mid-80s by now, but he uh, is an Israeli doctor, um, and he is the father of the cannabinoid research. He was the first one to find the first cannabinoid back in Israel in the 1960s, and he found THC at that point. Then in the 1980s, he was the first one to find CBD. So Mashulam was the doctor of all of it. He's got an awesome YouTube video called The Professor. It's an hour long. Anybody that wants more homework on him. But what Mashulam and his research has found in basics is that our bodies and our endocannabinoid receptors are broken up into two different regions. You have your CB1 receptors and your CB2 receptors. THC connects to the CB2, which is usually more of the upper head and those connections and with the brain and the nervous system. And that's what gives the psychoactive effect. While it seems that CBD is kind of a lot more with the um, uh, abdominal, your uh, immunes, um, a lot of uh, those type of systems uh, to give more balance and harmony to your body. But back to, back to one of the biggest things about it doesn't matter if it's CB1 or CB2 receptors, it's all about balance. And so let's talk about receptors real quick too, so we can understand what's going on inside our bodies. All right, it's called the endocannabinoid system. And the system is true within all of our bodies. It was written in American medical textbooks all the way up till the 1930s when it was made illegal. You can do research on this. But each of our bodies has an endocannabinoid system. And basically what this is, is there's this uh, group full of receptors in our body and our body naturally makes endocannabinoids that connect to these receptors. Um, and then that creates balance and harmony within our body. This is why when a cancer patient uh, um, smokes weed, they feel better and they actually want to eat and things like that. Um, what we're doing when we consume cannabis, we're taking in phytocannabinoids. When our body is not making enough of those cannabinoids, when we're sick or if we're out of balance or for whatever reason that is, we don't have that holistic balance. And so when we take in these phytocannabinoids, they connect to those empty receptors that have been sitting dormant in our bodies. And that's what makes us feel better, euphoric, and relaxed, and hungry, and balanced when a person consumes cannabis and they feel better afterwards. Yeah. It's the receptors from the cannabis connecting to the, uh, or it's the cannabinoids connecting to the receptors itself. So, Mashulam was the one that found all this stuff. So, terpenes, terpenoids. Now, this is what makes each plant different, like a glass of mm -hmm. wine, okay? And this is what's got all the kids going crazy out there. It's because now we're starting to figure out that there's Basically, it's an essential oil, and each different plant has different essential oils. And by the way, now, Mishulam found the first one, THC, in the 1960s. We're up to over a past 150 different cannabinoids wow. now. Um, you know, CBG, CBN, um, the list goes on forever and ever as far as different cannabinoids that we're starting to find. And then you put that in combination with the terpenoids. So you have everything from the list of lime noodle, uh, myrcene, a uh, uh, couple of the popular ones, but there's a shit ton of terpenes as well too out there. So each plant has its own signature and that's what we're starting to mm -hmm. find. Um, so, and that signature will start to catalog and organize over time. Then you add on top of all the breeding we're having of plants right now and all the cross genetics that we're having coming down the line. Um, so which really is turning into a vineyard of choices out there. And we're starting to recognize on how to make the grapes different. And that's where it really gives us a wine type factor to it. Is now we can say terpenoids and cannabinoids. And this is why it has that type of profile. My goal will be able to pull each of those terpenoids and cannabinoids and then put them to specific things eventually. Right now on just a recreational level, we look for five retail things. Sight, how does it make it look? after the extraction process, smell, taste, you know, wines, lemons. Uh, one of the descriptions I heard the other week uh, is tennis balls soaked in gasolines in a duffel bag. Oh my God. <laughs> what the kids are looking for, me too. That's very descriptive, I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah, and this is just the tip of the iceberg, dude. Yeah. We're just getting warmed up. That's why I said it earlier, the century that's about ready to come once we get federally legal and these other countries and the rest of the world really gets out of it. You know, China's been growing hemp forever, but we just don't realize it's a country. Right, so like hemp, what is, uh, hemp is a byproduct of cannabis. When you talk about what we actually like, you know, the psychedelic effects, that's the flower. 
and then yep. there's the plant of it itself and that's hemp is that my understanding yep. so let's break that down so um it's all the same plant it's and that's what we need to come to terms with it's a plant cannabis sativas but by government standards we have to find a way to try to figure it out and categorize and organize and everything like that so what if we found specific strains that intentionally do not produce high amounts of THC very 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 little to be specific and that's what they're calling quote unquote hemp that's it okay and they're being able to use hemp in like you were saying like hemp construction materials like i don't remember the exact concept. yeah hemp creed hemp rope and uh, oh yeah so back to yeah. full scale you want to fix global warming tomorrow grow hemp that is simple as that like and i've been saying that since senior year of high school too homie. it's true dude just look at the simple life cycle of a true hemp plant that it goes through and what it can produce for the planet what it can produce oxygen wise how we can eliminate all paper and never have to cut down a real tree ever again it's all the byproducts of the hemp plant that are allowed. Exactly. Hemp paper was written on this constitution, homie. Dazed and confused styling. But <laughs> truth nonetheless. Is that right? <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah. No. Oh, yeah, dude. Um, so why did so, they start like cutting down trees? That's wild. Because the paper the tree companies realized they can make more money off of selling the paper. Oh, Follow the money. All the money. Okay. Okay. So take me back then. You're saying that with the hemp and everything, like that it has been legal for a while, I feel like. But did people, yep. and that's just because they were not. Federal legalization was three years ago, which Mitch McConnell pushed through because he also owns one of the biggest companies in Kentucky. Google that one too, homie. Wow. 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 <laughs> As my deaf uncle would say, it's a bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so wait a second. That's craziness. So it could it could stop global warming if we just started planting yeah. hemp. Yes. Um, so then we have all of our trees back. Then we can start to work on um, hemp as a fuel. Mm. Now we can use hemp to replace fuel. Um, now we've shut down the fossil fuel problem, the CO two problem. Mm -hmm. And then um, you start to work on alternative green injuries at the same time. Well, I think that's uh, what Colorado was so eye-opening for me because being from Florida, like we moved out to Colorado and like I was just so blown away by like the recycling efforts, composting, green initiatives in hotels, like in your life, in, you know, just in your home life. It's just something that's just unfortunately not so prevalent in other places we've lived. And, you know, we recycle, but in our last apartment, like before we moved to our house, uh, where you guys met, actually you guys came and visited us, remember? That apartment we couldn't recycle. There was no recycling like bin, which is crazy. And it's like, that's the easiest thing I could do is literally just throw like the can of soup or the can of beans that I just opened into the recycling bin. And I think that's what I really always liked about cannabis is the recyclable nature of it, if that makes sense. Like, no, it is. Um, and I, I try to treat the plant like uh, the Native Americans treated the buffalo, you know, and I really can, dude. I can break a plant down all the way after its harvest. Uh, I can use the root bulbs again. I can reuse the soil again for the most part. Um, it might need some retilling and cleaning. Uh, I can uh, definitely uh, use the husk towards planting. Uh, you can put it towards uh, microfibers right there. I mean, I've sat there bored on a summer day, fiddling with uh, pieces just pulled off of it. And that's just where it's going to eventually end up, hopefully. Uh, I mean, obviously, it's going to, from everything we've said in this, it's going to be capitalized and profitized. That's why you haven't seen a push towards hemp concrete yet. That's why you haven't seen uh, a push towards hemp rope yet and hemp biodiesel fuel yet. You know why? Because they're still milking the cow of the juice. Right, right. And what's going to so, change? What's going to like be the breaking point where they start to like, you know, look at alternatives? At what point? We'll I think I know why. It'll be just the human factor of it all. Um, it's the farmer. You know, I think the farmers already, and I've seen this firsthand, the farmer is struggling with the plant. Uh, they're used to uh, being able to be aggressive and be a hard and, you know, they come from working with tougher agricultural pieces. 
um, where they can just plow through things. And this is, you have to be much more delicate, especially if you're trying to, um, you know, absorb this for oil extraction, which is the juices that's going in all of your, everybody's sodas and uh, gummies and uh, God knows what under the sun that has CBD in front of it. And so when the farmer finally wakes up and says, I don't have to be nice to this plant anymore because I'm not taking it for juice. I'm now taking this for biomass, which that biomass can either go towards rope, um, biodiesel fuels, um, concrete, things like that. Now I can just rip this plant and go back to the way I used to be working. Through history, who does the human evolve to the mother nature or does mother nature evolve to the human? So that's when you'll see. So my best advice to anybody who's listening to this podcast, especially if you're down in Florida, either start talking to some of these people or start investing in some of these companies that you're going to see popping up on the horizon. These are going to be the juice guys that are driving the Lamborghinis in five years. That's why. So, so you see it like, you know, over, over the next, how many years do you see it taking before it becomes like recreationally legal, medically legal everywhere? Like, I don't know. New York went last week. Um, Chuck Schumer quoted last week that he's going to pass, he's going to force it through whether Biden likes it or not. Um, I think it's realistically, you know, uh, I've had lots of in this conversation around many tables now for five years plus, and I think I've even had this conversation with you before. Uh, I think it's going to pretty much boil down to this, and I think we might be winning now at this point in time, but uh, it's going to be Joe Biden in a room, and there's going to be one person from Big Pharma and one person from Big Marijuana, which is what we exist and one of my biggest fears from all this before is that we've spent this collective time doing all this awesome, crazy stuff. And we're just getting warmed up on all the stories that we've done through legalization, through the beginning of operations. Um, but it is still a class one drug. And so if they move it to reclassification and it's completely off the list, then companies like myself in Colorado, and it's going to be like a tech boom. You're going to see it everywhere and it's just going to blow up and all these different companies are going to start to go off well however if it goes to big pharma then they move it from class one to class two which means you have to go through fda research all sorts of different things hoops and holes and things you have to jump through which means that piece of shatter that i want to sell now that mom and pop dispensary and the mom and pop vendor is putting out now costs multi, multi, multi millions of dollars just to even get passed. Mm -hmm. And guess who wins at that point in time? Oh yeah, big pharma. So, so it's going to be, and for leading up till probably about a year to two years ago, it was hands down, big pharma was going to take it. One of my favorite quotes too is, I've said this one since 14, big alcohol, big tobacco, and big pharma are going to fight us until they buy us. Um, so now here we are, uh, big alcohol and big tobacco have kind of jumped on board with us in creating big marijuana. Um, all, uh, you know, there's already uh, owners of Philip Morris in the industry out here in Colorado. They own a concentrate company themselves. So they're here. If people don't think that, you know, Philip Morris is not here and playing ball, y'all crazy. <laughs> so, so, you know, that's why they've kind of backed off from the fight and kind of backed us more than anything because they see the profit as well too. And if you want to tell me Bud Light ain't ready for uh, THC beer to come across this country, y'all are crazy. Because I'm going to be driving the truck if you haven't met me yet. <laughs> <laughs> That's just it. It's in everything and, and just like... Oh, and then meth. There's so much money behind all of it. Yeah. So much, dude. You know, uh, Coke won't release it, but there's already a lot of video of their CBD Zero Coke. Yeah. It's already out there, so... Um, CBD, like we didn't really, we talked about the H, H yeah. or I'm sorry, the THC, but we didn't really talk about CBD. So CBD, yeah, going full circle, doesn't give the psychoactive effect. That's the number one thing that people appreciate. It gives people relief because especially if you've never had any cannabinoids your entire life, which was in a dark time, which was uh, illegal times in this country, generations, including myself and yourself and the generations before us, had those receptors sitting empty for years. And so people that have finally just started getting some relief right now through CBD are hitting those receptors for the first time. And people that do have arthritis problems, abdominal problems, yeah. um, nervous system problems, they're seeing relaxation for the first time. 
But as we get farther into this, full spectrum will be it. And it will be a combination of all of them too, not just THC, not just uh, CBD, but CBN and CBG and, and all THC those other and then 150 different cannabinoids. So CBD is just really the hot word for right now. That really is what it is. And then they've realized that it doesn't mess you up and it does make you feel better. So we'll pump them full of this first and then people will slowly start working up to the rest of it. And the rest of it being adding THC in as we go? Or yep. the other... So full spectrum. So, um, and that's going to take time. Yeah. So before it's more accepted in society. Because back to dad holding the keys again. That's what CBD really is at the end of the day. You can drive during the day. We'll, we'll give you that. We'll give you that. <laughs> okay, okay. So, so interesting. So what do you do on a day-to-day -day basis? Like you have been posting things on Facebook. I've seen yep. kind of how I <laughs> reached out to you because I was like, what is he doing? Except having fun. You're just having fun. You're, you, I mean, it looks like you're having fun. I mean, we <laughs> are well, well versed in the whole like politics Can and government stuff? and the history of it and all these things like Holy moly, you should start a podcast and just like, you know, ah, for real. Dude, you're like the chance friend to tell me that shit. I mean, you, <laughs> listen, you, you take what you know and you go with it and you certainly know and it's ingrained in your like life. And I mean, when you when you are in the field, if you will, like as an, as a uh, an employee of this company, like what yeah. are you what are you doing like on your day to day? So after everything I've been through and after all the mountains I've climbed, you know the only real thing I love doing at the end of the day anymore? Hmm. Being a dad. Yeah. And being a husband. And I've worked my ass off to get to this point and it's really cool now. And I don't know what I'll do on the next step, because obviously you and I both see that there's some crazy potential on this side, but hmm. she's pregnant with the second one. You know, my nephew's over a bunch because of COVID. Um, and I've got an opportunity to work Monday through Friday and be home on the weekends with them. Uh, I don't know what I'm going to do for it because I mean, I've really, here's where I've gotten myself. And this is what the dream is for everybody at the end of the day, right? I wake up on Monday morning. I make my phone calls for the week. Tuesday, I'm going to go out and prospect, go knock on doors. I'm selling a box at the end of the day. That's it. Hey, mister, are you looking for something new for yourself? And it's been sales for a long time in the history of the world. I'm just another... Another salesman at the end of the day. Yeah. And um, so then I'll go out and prospect Wednesday. Uh, I, we intentionally moved to our new house out in Commerce City because our lab's out in Fort Morgan, Colorado, mm -hmm. which is about an hour northeast from here. So I'll, I'll drive up, I'll listen to my music, I'll listen to my other podcast, which includes the catch up time. Thank you. Um, Thank you for that shout out. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> That was four bucks. I mean, it gets higher as we go We better cut season. this off. We're getting close. <laughs> I'm running out of money. <laughs> but no, then, I mean, Thursday, I'll go up and pick up orders. Wednesday, I'll, I'm helping at the lab put stuff together because mm -hmm. it's the holiday season, so we're busy. Thursday, I'm dropping boxes. Friday, um, I'm uh, dropping orders as well, too. And then Saturday and Sunday, it's family time. Brilliant. And then I do it again the next week. And you love it. You know, it's so crazy. Like, and I think you feel like too, like there's been opportunities. I can go teach at universities. I can go sell internationally across the world now at this point in time. But I don't know if I want any of that shit, Alyssa. Mm -hmm. I got everything I need right here. So I don't know. Um, we'll see if they get older and where the industry keeps going. Yeah. But uh, right now I'm happy just being a salesman. Love it. So. So yeah. you were just, you referenced, we're in the midst of the holidays. What holiday? Because uh, uh, The highest of holidays, it's my 2020, friend. Which is when, perfectly yeah. enough, this episode is going to be coming out. I, we couldn't have planned that any better, but this episode is going to be coming out on 420. So explain nice. what that uh, origin story is, if you will. Like, where did 420 I've heard many rumors, like, on that, where it started from. Um... What the does it one... mean to you, I guess? What does it mean to you? Oh, man. It means to me um, legalization. It means activism. It means uh, um, full plant free market. It means uh, celebrating the fact that we can use cannabis just like we can everything else in this country, whether good, bad, happy, sad, medically, recreationally, and industrially. You know, I've celebrated 420 in this state, which probably does it harder than any other state. 
Um, I've been in Boulder. I've been in Greeley. I've been in Fort Collins. I've been in Denver for, you know, my first 420 in Denver was 98. And there was like maybe 300 people down there. Um, by 2013, you know, it's over 150,000 people. So that's what 420 means to me. It's been the momentum that I've seen in my lifetime that of people stepping out and saying, yeah, I do enjoy this plant in many different ways. And we're going to celebrate it today. You know, Cinco de Mayo, St. Patrick's Day, Mardi Gras, 4th of July. We're going to blow this shit up because we don't like to pay taxes. Yeah, I'm going to sit and smoke weed, smoke cannabis that day. Yeah. And is 420 the day that it became recreational? Is there any significance on the date or it just so happened? No. And you know, nobody really, there's a bunch of like origin stories on that one too. My favorite is uh, the Reagan commercials uh, back in the beginning of the war on drugs always said that kids were getting home between four and five o'clock in the afternoon and consuming uh, marijuana. So make sure you're watching your kids around that time. So 420 became the time of day. What about being a sophomore in high school? ditching to go smoke weed on the, one of your first 420s and finding out Columbine's happening in your same county. Mm. That was a crazy 420. So yeah, there's been an interesting time on those days through the years for sure too. But I try to keep it in a positive aspect. On that too, much love to the Boulder crew. Anybody that listens to this, all well, the shootings in this country. Yeah, so. yeah, it's it's gotten out of hand. And- Cannabis for the win. Everybody was just More smoking love. shit. Man. Uh, at the end of the day, it's just like popping a pill or taking a shot. Yeah. Everybody does what they need to to calm that edge in this reality we live in. Um, you know, dad's been doing it for happy hours since he got home from work in the 1950s. Whether you smoke a bowl, uh, take a dab, uh, drink a beer, or pop a pill, if you're probably a better person to be around, Full on to you, man. Whether you're better to your kids, you're better to your uh, significant other, you're better to your family. What's the hurt at this point in time? You know, I think the biggest thing we have to remember with this, with pot and everything else, is how much, you know? And that's what it is at the end of the day, is responsibility on it. You know, if if a dad's coming home and uh, drinking a bottle of Jack uh, every single night, he's gonna get yelled at eventually. Um, if a dad's coming home and smoking three blunts to the face, he's going to get yelled at eventually. Uh, it's, you know, uh, just what you're going to do and how you're going to consume it, I think, is at the end of the day. You know, on that specifically tangent point, has anybody heard from Portland since they legalized everything a couple months ago? Nothing. You know why? Because everything's kosher. Unbelievable people. So, I mean, it just shows that we, if we can give a little leeway and if dad can give us the keys just a little bit, maybe I can help get the groceries too. <laughs> yeah, full circle. I love that analogy. Yeah. And you really, it's, it's, it's a good way to look at it. It's a very interesting topic. And I love, you know, just talking to you when we, when we have these conversations, it's just so fascinating to me, like being on the other end because it's not, your position in your industry where you're at is not something that a lot of people are uh in tune with and so i appreciate you like diving so deep into it and there's so much more we can talk about my gosh like there's so much more um yeah there's like movie trailers for you like the sequels to come we haven't even talked about the jewish mafia in boston in baltimore yet we haven't even talked about hemp staff down in florida yet um we haven't even talked about selling concentrates yet um, we got stories to go, homie. I'm telling you what, though, like, it's very, very interesting. It's been, like I said, at the end of the day now, um, through ups and downs, this is one thing that everybody can take from it. It's still just been a career. There's been jobs lost, jobs gained, you know, slingshots forward, kicks down, you know. You pass somebody in the elevator twice. I've definitely learned that in the last nine years. And you just keep going. So... Um, and anybody wants to be successful in anything they want to do is better have passion. So no doubt. And like I said, you have so much passion, so much knowledge. It's certainly in your blood, like you said, and, uh, and you're definitely taking it to the fullest. It's just fascinating to me, the whole thing of it. Let's drop some knowledge. Did you know when you eat marijuana cannabis, when you actually consume it and what messes you up is it goes through your liver and it metabolizes from Delta nine to Delta eight THC. 
And this is what it has heavier hallucinogenics, heavier amounts of uh, psychedelic effects. And this is what messes people up. But for some reason, everybody said in their head, if I eat it and don't smoke it, it won't mess me up as much. Well, now you just did four shots of Jack when you were trying to drink a wine cooler. So, so that's what it is, like, <laughs> it, versus when yep. you smoke it, what's the difference? It's just inhalation, and it's just tasting that form. It doesn't change into a different chemical compound. When it metabolizes, it changes from a different chemical compound. Delta nine, it goes from delta nine THC, which is the chemical composition of it, to delta eight, and it's a different chemical composition. And they found that the different delta eight is much more hallucinogenic, much more psychoactive, much more right. sedative. So just breaking down like the differences between like sativa and indica, like those are the two strains. Yeah, is that or the so? Let's break it down and everything I've talked to you about in the last hour and just yeah. blow that up right now. And we'll eventually get there. We're like stuck in the eighties right now, when there was just red wine and white wine because they didn't know what else to call one yet. You know what I'm saying? Eventually, we, they started going Sauvignon Blanc or Chardonnays or Cabernets. And that's what we're getting to the level with, with the turpentine okay. and cannabinoids. I think you'll start to see maybe regional types of strain lineages will start to come out, um, kind of like that, like this comes from that right. region. Uh, I think brands are going to be huge in the future. But Indica and Sativa, if you've listened to this conversation to anybody in the last hour, you're eventually going to realize that it's going to be dead. Everything we talked about is going to be irrelevant, you're saying? No, just the whole Indica Sativa argument. Those two sentiments of the red wine and the white wine, it, that type of vision more, on it. It's going to be much more elaborated on in the future. Got it. Mm -hmm. Very, very interesting. Sure. Well, you are certainly getting a front row seat to it all. And uh, we'll definitely have you on the show again. Yeah, why, yeah, can I ask yeah, one more question? Yeah. Why do you rather, why would you rather say cannabis than marijuana? What's the, in your mind? Uh, because cannabis is the true professional name of the plant, especially marijuana and the derogatory names it has behind it and the systemic changes we're going through in this country right now. Marijuana was a derogatory term that was applied to that plant during the 1920s when they were referring to people of Hispanic and Mex uh, descent from Mexico that had the plant on them. That's where it came from, was marijuana. And so um, I prefer the word cannabis sativus, which is the true medical name that plant. So that's no. just myself. Um, in a professional aspect, obviously I'm still smoking on that doja, but um, I got them trees, honey. Some those purple bugs and that earl, earl. but um, I prefer cannabis sativus if we're trying to talk about a lady property. Yes, yes. Okay, okay. That's great. I'm glad you, you broke that down for me because I was a little confused. You're more so just wondering why. I was wondering why. Um, yep, and through knowledge we changed. Dude, <laughs> I'll end this podcast on this. I went from when I was in high school to an outcast to now an essential employee in the state of Colorado. Thank you. <laughs> you really come full circle, man. Yeah, you'll see me again face to face, homie. But podcast anytime you want. I'll cast with you. I love it. I love it. So, well, we will put this out 420. It will be uh, celebrating the day. What are you doing this year? Do you have any plans that you want to share? It's like my Black Friday and Christmas now, dude. So by the time I get done with that stinky, winky holiday, all I want to do is climb up in a fertile position in a Vegas pool and cry for a little bit. <laughs> you just need, you'll need a little vacation after. No rest for the wicked, homie. But are you delivering, you have a whole team under you, I imagine you're not the one no, delivering no. distributing it. So, and that's another part we haven't even dived into yet. Um, like I've worked for, in the past, huge companies and they've all been startups, you know, up to hundreds of employees. These people I work for right now, there's less than 10 of us. We're a small mom and pop company. We're like the Oakland A's of uh, the industry, but we are pumping out gas right now and people are loving us and our sales are booming. I mean, I literally, I'm just gonna be putting the cart in the package, sealing it and then delivering it. Like it's busy right now. <laughs> yeah, you're the you're the person, you're not only selling it, but you're actually the one packaging it. Oh dude, well. I wear a lot of hats, dude. A lot. What made you What made you move, make the move to this new company? How long have you been there for? Two plus years. Uh, didn't burn out on bigger companies. Yeah. So I would you wanted it more mom and pop, if you will. <laughs> That's exactly who I work for. It's a husband and wife from Golden. So. Well, tell everybody I said hello. It's so great chatting with you and catching up. I appreciate you taking the time to join me on the show, and uh, I think this is super, super informative and. Um, 
very educational. So thank you. And if you want to plug like where you're working and yeah. products, nice. do that. I'll do a plug right now too. Uh, Instagram main medium that we get to advertise in the cannabis industry. Um, check out Dabs Labs, Colorado. Check out Gold Rush, Colorado. And then check me out, Frizz303, F-R-I-Z-Z. 303. I got a bunch of funny weed stuff up there that keeps me going throughout the week too. I still try to yeah. find the fun in it every week too. That's what keeps me going. So you have to, you have to fuel that passion, right? Yeah. Something every week. So awesome, man. Awesome. I'll, I'll link all that in the show notes. It's like the catch up time. Good stuff. Yes. Love it, man. That was fun. That was a fun hour. I seriously, man, I'm telling you, maybe you should start a podcast. You don't think people will enjoy this? I used to do one in 2015. Really? So Oh, dude, I didn't even uh, talk about the growing days. Like, we'll have to save this story for next time. But yeah, growing pot and then Allison coming in and telling me she's pregnant and that's when I stopped growing pot. So yeah, we only made it to 2012. <laughs> well, that's we started way back in the 1930s. So good God. You came a long way, am I right? <laughs> hey, you don't get to Avengers in one movie. Oh my, that's true. <laughs> I've heard people are going back and watching them in sequence and it's like hours and hours and hours of time. It's like, I don't got that much time, but we'll get there. <laughs> we'll get there, okay? I am, I am sure of it. But man, nice, thank you again. It was great yeah. seeing you. Tell Allison I said hello and uh, hopefully we'll get to see you guys yeah. soon. Life is good, my friend. Life is good. I'm glad you liked it, man. That was awesome. All right, we'll sign off now. Have a great rest of the day. It was good to see you. Love, peace, and chicken grease. <laughs> what the heart needs. I love it, man. Take care. I'll talk to you soon, okay? The Catch-Up Time podcast is an original podcast produced and recorded in Orlando, Florida. Remember to subscribe to the Catch-Up Time podcast to get notified each week when new episodes are posted. You can also follow us on Instagram at ketchup underscore time. Thanks again for listening to the Ketchup Time Podcast.